Welcome to the For the Fans podcast, a podcast for fans, by fans. My name is Dalton Scamhorn. My name is Philip Giannini. And are you ready for some fire? And are you ready for some fire? Let's go. We got a big, <laughs> got a big week going up. I mean, it's Super Bowl weekend, so let's kind of just kick it off there. Actually, let's kick it off in the NFL. Talk about a trade, which is kind of, you know, kind of crazy to see at this time of the year. But we're going to talk about the Rams-Lions deal. So we got the Rams receiving Matt Stafford and the Lions receiving Goff, a 2022 first-round pick, a 2023 first-round pick, and a 2021 third-round pick. Dalton, I mean, it's kind of easy to see who won at the moment, but who do you think? Oh, obviously, it's the Rams that won. They actually got a quarterback that knows how to throw the ball and get touchdowns. Wait, you think the Rams won this deal? Yeah, I think the Rams won this deal with Stafford. You think Goff going back was the the better piece? Like, I know the draft picks, but I'm talking quarterback for quarterback. Okay, quarterback for quarterback, 100% Stafford is better than Goff. And that, I think the picks are massive. I I think they, in my opinion, that that's what won me the trade. I mean, the Lions weren't winning with Stafford, and they're probably not going to win with Goff. But Mm -hmm. I just think they could make some good, uh, good, you know, pieces with these three picks. Um in my opinion, I mean, and I think Stafford's a Hall of Fame quarterback. Uh, not a lot of people do, but just based on his numbers, I think he's going to do wonderful in uh, Los Angeles and under Sean McVay. So I'm kind of excited to see him next year because, I mean, they made the playoffs, so I can see them making the playoffs again. Um, but I just see the Lions kind of in the future because of this. Okay. Is, uh, sorry, uh, the first round pick, is it for this year's draft? Uh, 2022. So 2022 next year okay ne- yeah next year's draft and the year after which you know you never know what can happen teams well, in the nfl go from like super bowl to like bottom of the league like the eagles yeah in a couple of years right it happens absolutely and uh well i think you're really going to see the uh fruits of this trade right in the uh next year which could actually affect the uh draft picks themselves as well like uh i think that uh stafford is a very uh underrated quarterback because he played for a Detroit Lions team, which historically did not do well. But uh, no, I, I think Stafford coming into the uh, the Rams, he's uh, I think he's going to make an immediate impact for that team. And I, I think that uh, although the Rams are uh, hemorrhaging a lot of their future for this, I I think it's, uh, it's the right move to make. They needed a quarterback. Goff wasn't getting it done. And uh, I think Stafford is going to put up some really good numbers next year. No, I agree. I mean, they made the, they made the Super Bowl with Goff, so... Who knows what they can make with uh, with Stafford. But moving on, they're not in the Super Bowl, but we got Kansas City and Tampa Bay for Super Bowl 55 on Sunday. And I'm super excited for this Super Bowl. I'm usually pumped, but like this, this one has a little something, something extra, you know? Yeah, absolutely. This is uh, one of the bigger matchups. It seems to be the, uh, the fantasy matchup almost that everyone was waiting for to see uh, – who's going to win between uh, Kansas City Chiefs and uh, the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Well, I mean, they played each other in November, and KC won 27-24. I honestly think KC's going to win because of there's so many different things, but I'm still betting on Tampa Bay. I'm betting on Brady. That's the thing. So, I mean, for Kansas City, they're averaging – they've only played two playoff games, right? But they're averaging 30 points, and they're only um, allowing – 13 so i mean if they keep this up you know they're definitely gonna win 
I just think Mahomes averaging 299 yards. He's thrown, Dalton, he's thrown 68 passes, right? Mm-hmm. 50 of them are, are completed in the 50 two games. 50 for 68. Yeah, so it's like 73%. And obviously they only play two games, but like the, that, those are the numbers that are going to win you the games and the big games. So, I mean, obviously the two guys that are going to probably get the most touches, which they already have been, is Hill and Kelsey. So, I mean, I looked at their records in the postseason this year. Uh, Hill has 21 targets and 17 receptions, and Kelsey has 25 targets and 21 receptions. So, they've literally <laughs> dropped like four passes each. Jeez, it just seems that uh, Casey's offense is just so electric that it doesn't really matter what your defense does if uh, if you can't shut them down every time, which it seems... Only four times Kelsey hasn't caught the ball. So, I mean, if you can make it four more times during this game, maybe that'll put a dent in their offense. But I uh, I was looking up the numbers of their uh, game that they had uh, earlier this year. And uh, I thought something interesting was it was already at Raymond James Stadium. Like this, I know it's the Super Bowl. I know there's nothing like it. But KC has already beat Tampa Bay at home. They were 8-0 away in the regular season, and obviously they're undefeated in the playoffs because that's how you make it to a Super Bowl. And, uh, yeah, I think they uh, they just are coming out as the clear favorites. Um, obviously, you want to put a little bit of money on uh, Brady as an underdog because he's the guy you never count out. But, uh, yeah, like you said, Tyreek Hill had uh, three touchdowns for KC last game when they faced off uh, on the other side though, Mike Evans had two with Tampa Bay. And I think, uh, I think we're definitely going to get like a high scoring Super Bowl this year. I think it's going to be a lot of back and forth, but I think this Casey offense is just too hard to keep up with. It's you don't want to get into a scoring battle with Casey and they don't seem like they can be stopped defensively. But that's the thing. Like, yes, I think Casey's going to win. You think Casey's going to win, but it's it won't be impossible if Tampa Bay wins. Like it's definitely possible. They have, they probably have to you know step it up on the defense side more of it and uh, kind of limit the turnovers on the offense. But I mean they could still win. That's why I'm betting a hundred bucks. So it's a hundred dollars on Tampa Bay plus a hundred. So I win a hundred if um if they win and I lose a hundred if if they lose. So it's like nothing too crazy. I mean it's it's Tom Brady. Yeah. Right? We got to remember it's no. It would be a huge different story if it was any other quarterback, but it's Tom Brady. He has six rings. He's 33-11 and 11 in the playoffs. He is 2-0 and when he's an underdog in the Super Bowl. He has the most playoff wins, most games, most yards, most touchdowns. So, I mean, you can't just, you can't just uh, you know, not say that they even have a chance. Uh, I mean, he hasn't been playing great, but I don't know. Something, something just has me thinking, like, he's going to do it again. I mean, the man has literally made a career out of winning Super Bowls. So he's uh, he's the kind of guy that uh, loves this uh, this underdog mentality where uh, everyone's counting him out, counting him out, counting him out, and then watch it'll be uh, a Tampa Bay blowout, and it'll be one of the biggest sports moments in history because that's what Tom Brady does. Yeah, and I mean, I was kind of looking at Tampa Bay's kind of roster, but like on defense, I mean, Devin White's going to have a big game. This guy has 26 tackles in the three games. He has an interception and two fumble recoveries. And then you got Sean Murphy bunting in the three games. He has three interceptions. So could definitely happen if, if, they, if those two guys step up. Plus they got Jason Pierre-Paul. Uh, they got Winfield uh, Jr. or Sr. So, I mean, I still got to go with KC. But 
I mean, I've seen Tom Tom do it twice, right? I've seen him come back. So I mean, he has the he has the he has the weapons too, right? Like he doesn't have as good as big, but he's he's been throwing to all of them: Godwin, Evans, Brait, Gronk, Miller, uh, Fournette Brown. catches Antonio Brown. Actually, did you see the last four Madden covers are all playing in the Super Bowl? That's nuts. Brady, That's absolutely Brady, nuts. Brady, Gronk, Mahomes, and uh, AB. It's one of those weird uh, predictors, kind of like the uh, Simpsons predictors. I bet you you'll look at an uh, an old episode and you'll find uh, Kermit the Frog versus uh, <laughs> Tom Brady in a Super Bowl in the middle of a pandemic that just happened to be on a Simpsons episode back in like '96. Yeah, because they're fortune tellers. Okay, I actually forgot what you were saying about Kermit, but now I now I totally get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for Super Bowl Fifty Five, Goat versus Little Goat, uh, I'm predicting a thirty-five to twenty-one score for the KC. Um, I'm not sure if you ha- you put a number to it, but I'm putting you on the spot right here. Ooh. Okay, I'm gonna say KC win. Obviously, uh, we had twenty-seven, twenty-four the last time they faced off. I'm gonna say thirty, twenty-one. Nice, nice. So we both have 21. Well, honestly, man, I'm super excited for uh, the game on Sunday. I'm super excited, actually, for the halftime show as well because it's the weekend, and we, me and you, were supposed to go see him in uh, at Rogers' place. So it's it's cool. I get to still see him, you know, perform. And I heard he uh, spent an extra seven million dollars of his own money because he wanted the show to be what he wanted. So I think if that's something to like look forward to. I mean, I don't think it's going to beat Shakira and J Lo. absolutely rocking it last year but hey this guy's gonna put on a show for us this year i think it's gonna be a treat um i know i've seen the uh, weekend live before just in a, a normal venue and uh i think in the uh the super bowl he's gonna pull out all the bells and whistles i think uh we're in for a treat for sure and oh my god i forgot to tell you but the kansas city chiefs barber got covid the barber got covid he flew they flew in a barber and he was scheduled to cut 20 of the players' hairs, and then he they found that they got the test back and they pulled them immediately. So I don't know who he actually cut his cut yet. Uh, hopefully it wasn't Mahomes or any of the big names, but apparently that happened. I just read about it today, so it's kind of crazy that even like barbers, these guys aren't even part of the team, are are getting COVID. So hopefully it has nothing to do. Hopefully it has nothing to do to affect the team. But um, I just uh, I just wanted to kind of let you know and let the people know. I just think that's absolutely nuts, but I, I yeah, I, I agree. I hope it doesn't uh, affect the game in any way. It would be a shame for something like that to affect the biggest game of uh, some of these players' careers. For a uh, quick hit moving on after, uh, of course, we give a shout out to the uh, Madden 21 Pro Bowl, which was uh, done this year. Uh, rather than playing the Pro Bowl, which everyone cares about, they uh, decided to do an online one. And uh, apparently Marshawn Lynch did something funny during it. Uh, but uh, that's basically all the uh, coverage of Madden 21. Pro Bowl it was, it was absolutely like, it was fun, man. I was watching it. Those yeah. guys were having a blast. Yeah. Uh, Marshawn broke his chair <laughs> while playing. Plus he just said funny things. Uh, Snoop Dogg called Patrick Mahomes, P Diddy Mahomes. And uh, one guy that was playing on one of the teams literally just kept fumbling the ball. <laughs> so the boys, the boys were just laughing, and it was all these big names, and just like honestly, they did a good job for what you know what they do. I mean, the Pro Bowl is the most exciting, but you know they tried to try to make something out of it uh, from this uh, kind of broken year. So moving on, we got some 
quick hits. We got the Toronto Raptors. Did you see last night, Mr. Van Vliet, 54 points franchise record? I just thought that was absolutely nuts to see Fred Van Vliet go off like that. And it's such a nice, refreshing thing to see that uh, the Raps went out. They believed in their guy. They paid him all that money. He said, like, hey, if you're going to uh, keep me around, you got to you gotta pay me what I'm worth. And he showed how much he's worth last night. Like, 54 points versus the Magic, breaking DeRozan's single game total record for the Raptors. And it's the most points ever by an undrafted player. Yeah, I was going to say the exact same thing, Wichita Shockers. Um, yeah, they gave him this money, but this is what they're paying for. And obviously, it's not going to happen every single game. But, hey, he was on fire uh, Kyle Lowry got a triple double um, definitely helped as well and you're looking at the ninth place Raptors I swear when we started this podcast they were 13th then 12th now they're in ninth place they're nine and 12 they went two and two last week uh, but they won their last two games which was against Orlando which I said they had to do because they were behind them so now they're ahead of them and the, the teams that are in six seven and eight all have 10 wins we have nine so, man, keep up these win streaks. Uh, start winning, like, three games in one, and you're going to be in the playoffs, no doubt. And, obviously, if Van Vliet's throwing up 54 uh, every game, we're probably, <laughs> we're probably going to win a lot more games. But uh, it was awesome to see that, and good, good for the team. Yeah, I, I thought it was absolutely great. Uh, it seems like they're, they're clicking. Like you said, uh, Putting uh, a few wins together, stringing those together will be uh, great for them. Uh, the teams in front of them immediately, the Hornets are 10 and 11. The Cavs are 10 and 11. And yeah, I, I think that uh, the Raptors are a better team than both of those teams, which would immediately put them up into a playoff spot that they'd be able to uh, solidify. And yeah, I think it's, uh, uh, like we said uh, earlier, a little bit of growing pains, but it, it's the Raps. They'll, they'll turn it around. They'll still be playoff bound absolutely and i think the hawks are also part of the six to eight with the 10 wins and they play them next week so that'll be a good one we need to start winning and they need to start winning uh games away i mean i feel like every game's away for them but i guess they're having trouble in other people's barns (laughs) in front of all those loud fans this year they're getting some fans didn't you see lebron Yes, I saw that. Uh, they were uh, yelling at him. That was against uh, Atlanta, wasn't it? I think so. Well, actually, it was two guys yelling at him, and then nothing happened. And then the two girls started yelling, and the refs kicked them out, and then people were giving LeBron hate. I just think if you're going to be one of the few fans that's allowed into a game during an ongoing global pandemic, like, and you're sitting that close to courtside, why would you open your mouth? Why wouldn't you just watch the game? Why do you have to be that one who jeers and winds up on social media? Like it, to be at a live sport right now is such a blessing. And is something that isn't happening. I just think that you have to be absolutely nuts to try to get yourself kicked out. How can you even yell with a mask on, man? I can't even talk to people when I see them, like, sometimes out in the grocery store when I have my mask on. Honestly, I almost didn't bring it up because it's not much to say. You know what I mean? If you actually look at it in a bigger picture, it's like, yep, the fans yelled at a player trying to do his job. They should get kicked out. Yep. Well, especially now during uh, during COVID and such. And, well, and- I, I saw she, she pulled her mask down to uh, to yell at him. So it's, yeah. 
<laughs> oh, so she's going against protocols too. Good. Exactly. Kick her so out. Double and kicked you know out. What? We're jealous of her. She's at a game. I would I would give my arm to go watch uh, a live hockey game right now, which is actually funny because we are into hockey time. Oh, baby. The most wonderful time of the pod. We should probably just start with it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do but, that next one. <laughs> well, I mean, football is going to be done, so we got to start adding hockey. And I guess to start it off again, like last week, I was going to mention about the NWHL the Women's Hockey League, because I was kind of pumped. They were going into their uh, semis and finals, and the Toronto Six were in first place. Uh, so they had the one seed, which was sick. I was like, excited to kind of give you some stats. And How were my beats? Fourth. Uh, fourth. Fourth? Ooh. Only because of one of the teams, um, uh, what's the word? They, uh, they dropped out. What? Because of COVID. And this goes on to my point now. So the NWHL suspends the remainder of the season and playoffs due to positive tests and concern for the players, staff, and the community um, in Lake Placid. So team, two teams already withdrew before this happened, and I think they got a couple more tests. And they're in a bubble too, so I think it just kind of spread, and they did the right thing, and they just kind of stopped it. So uh, it sucks that we couldn't watch the finals. I was actually kind of excited just to tune in on, on NBC, but um, that's pretty much it. So, I mean, COVID is, is even in the girls' hockey, and I know it's in, it's in the NHL. So let's start off with the COVID news of the week. Okay, so uh, our COVID update, uh, we had a bunch of games postponed. Uh, New Jersey recently had their games postponed through February 6th with 10 players on the COVID-19 list. Uh, Following that, we had a Buffalo versus New York Islanders game postponed uh, with two players from the uh, Buffalo Sabres winding up on the COVID-19 list. And actually... uh, Something uh, that uh, was coming out about that game in particular was uh, Buffalo was pretty upset because apparently during the uh, New Jersey game, a, uh, a couple of players had uh, left the ice due to uh, testing positive, and uh, the Sabres weren't let known until uh, after the game that uh, this had happened. So uh, the Sabres games have now been pushed uh, through February 8th, and uh, yeah, uh just recently as well, we've had the uh, Minnesota Wild have had games postponed through February 9th because of uh, some more uh, positive COVID-19 uh, tests. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's been slowly chipping away at the NHL. Uh, there's been a bunch of games that have been postponed here and there. And uh, it's good, though. It's good that they are uh, postponing these games and... Uh, yeah, it'll it'll be nice when uh, all these guys are healthy and uh, we keep moving forward. Yeah, I was about to say it, it's not good. <laughs> You're like it's good, and then you kept going. I was like, good, yeah, it's not good, to, it's not good to get COVID. Yeah, it's actually a little scary to see how many teams are starting to get it. Or, I mean, it only takes one test, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, protocols are still in place. Uh, hopefully, you know the league's the league's probably not happy with how many are happening from. Same divisions in different divisions. I know the North Division, nothing so far, you know, knock on wood, fingers crossed. Um, but I know that they're not as bad as as, as what they seem. Um, but I'm glad they're kind of postponing it. Like, just, we have time. Just use the time. You have a buffer zone before the playoffs. Uh, we'll probably hit it, maybe even go past it. But as long as people stay safe. I absolutely agree. And that's that's the big thing is it's it's the safety and uh, if it takes a couple games being 
pushed into later in the season, but uh, these guys stay safe and we still get to finish a season. I, I think that's uh, more than fair. So uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, the reality we're dealing with right now, but uh, I think the NHL has been doing a, a good job uh, at least. Uh, well, letting teams know maybe during games instead of after, but uh, other than that, I think it's, uh, it's good. It's good to be pushing these games. Yeah, I mean, maybe that wasn't the league. It was more the team that didn't tell the other team. I'm not sure, but that's probably the one thing from what you said that, like, definitely kind of gave me, like, a, you know, shaking my head a little bit. They need to not do that. Everyone needs to know right away. You can't just hide this stuff. It's going to come out, obviously. Um, and hopefully that we can get to a week where we don't even mention any COVID news. But at the moment, um, that's not uh, that's not the case. Um, I was kind of wondering if you wanted to chat a little bit about, maybe not a little bit, maybe a lot about Tony D'Angelo. Oh, where do we start? We can start at the beginning. <laughs> so Tony D'Angelo was born on a stormy day. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but uh, recently he uh, got into a player dispute with, uh, from the sounds of it, with his, uh, goalie on the New York Rangers, uh, Georgia, him and, uh, him and Georgia have apparently had a, uh, disagreement we'll say. And, uh, it was ended by someone punching someone from what has been said. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, his last strike in New York. The, uh, the Rangers previously have having scratched him had said, uh, no more, no more nonsense, and uh, he he went against it. It uh, it seems like uh, his Tony D'Angelo has played his last game as a Ranger. Yeah, so they put him on waivers, and then he cleared waivers. Uh, but to kind of give someone that doesn't really know anything about him kind of a better understanding, Tony D'Angelo, he's gotten in trouble before. He has some uh, issues with, I guess, authorities. I know that he got suspended in junior for a racial slur on a teammate. I know he's got suspended for um, abusing officials. And I know he had some trouble with Arizona. He had some trouble with Tampa. And now he's having trouble with uh, the Rangers. So from what I heard, he also didn't get along with one of the rookies. Um, I don't know if it had anything to do with like what's going on in his life or anything. But it just seems like this guy can't, uh, can't stay on a team. Yeah, like you'd mentioned, this is his third team. Uh, both stints previously were only a year with Tampa Bay, a year with Arizona, and uh, he had signed a short-term contract, a bridge deal, two years, $9.6 million for uh, the Rangers because they didn't know even uh, going into his most recent contract if uh, they'd be able to hold on to him or, or what his attitude was going to be like. I know there's been... Uh, a lot previously with uh, Tony D'Angelo on uh, social media. He uh, was on Twitter, uh, tweeted some things about COVID-19 being a hoax. He has been uh, a little bit uh, unprofessional, we'll say. He's been unprofessional on, on Twitter with some of the things he says and some of the things he assumes. Uh, I know he went over to Parler for a bit. And uh, yeah, he, he just, it seems like a situation where if every person you're meeting in life is an a-hole, maybe you're the a-hole. Like it's, it's, 
he's going to be sitting at home for a little bit. I think the, the Rangers said they, they have a trade incoming for him. He won't play for their team anymore, but uh, the man went up and down waivers. And I think you can tell us a bit more about that, but I do think he's going to get traded soon. Yeah. I, I know that what he did with his teammates and he's a bit of a locker room cancer, but he can play hockey. And sometimes some teams just kind of look at that more than some of the other things. They can brush away. They do it a lot in the NFL. It doesn't really happen in the NHL, which is why it's kind of weird to say. But, I mean, if you looked at, like, Kareem Hunt and Antonio Brown, you know what that means? Like, oh, these guys are good. We'll just forget what they did. Um, I think a team is going to grab them. I mean, $4.8 million for two years. Uh, you said it was nine, nine 9.6, right? 9.69? Nine, yeah, 9.6 on a uh, two-year contract. Yeah, so it's it's pretty pretty reasonable um, – um, deal for for you know he had a great year last year. Uh, I'm thinking there's some th- three teams in my mind that could pick him up. Uh, the Flames are trying to get rid of Bo Bennett, and they could use a D. The Pens need defense, and the Blues want to get rid of Vince Dunn. So I don't know. Those are the ones I couldn't really find an actual suitor for him. But those are the ones that I thought made the best sense in my mind. Yeah, I, I think you've got those uh, teams that can uh, can fit him. Uh, well. If you're not Ottawa or Detroit right now, you kind of have to shuffle a little bit with your cap. But, uh, yeah, you said fourth in goals last year with 15 and points, 53 for a defenseman. Um, that's definitely he's, – he's got the skill. I, I just don't think he has uh, the attitude right now. And I think definitely it's got to be something when you're going to a team if, if he is lucky enough to get traded and uh, given another chance with another team, it's something where his attitude's got to change or this guy's going to find himself in another league. Exactly. I mean, at one point someone's just not going to want him. I mean, if you're a superstar, but when you're, when you're, you know, a pretty good player, it, you know, sometimes it'd be like, okay, I'd rather have someone that is not going to get in fights with his teammates or, you know, say things that he, that he, doesn't mean or, or that he actually means so it's a weird situation and i mean if i'm right i'm gonna be like you know d'angelo to the pens calling it right now they could they could use the help on d um i guess moving over to something i guess a little, a little less down alexis lafreniere laffy Scored his first NHL goal, got his first point. He has been getting a lot of criticism, especially on Twitter, that he's a bust. Nine games in, he's a bust because he only has one goal and he's negative three. And I just laugh. You know, the the kid's played his hockey his whole life. He's been the best player every year he's ever played. And then he he gets to the NHL, the best players in the earth, and he gets shit on right away. And they did the same thing to Jack Hughes last year. And last year, Jack Hughes had 61 games played, and he had 21 points. So about .34 points a game. And everyone called him a bust. And then, boom, he starts the season, sophomore year, and he has nine, uh, nine games played, and he has eight points. So he's at .88 a game, and the Devils are playing better. So I just think some people need to just chillax, let the kid play hockey. I, I definitely agree with that. I think... Uh... Everyone saw the way McDavid came into the NHL when he, he first started, and that's the new expectation of first overall picks is uh, if you're not McDavid, oh, you're a bust. Yeah, like Matthews came in, Marner came in, they scored, you know, 70-something points that year. I know Matthews scored, I think, 100. Um, it's not going to happen all the time, but, like, the skills are there. You're drafting a prospect. You're drafting an 18-, 19-year-old kid. 
absolutely. If you can, if you can get your first overall pick to be like like that, that's awesome. It doesn't happen every year, but I mean, the guy still has you know the whole entire like rest of his career. So I think he's going to be fine. Um, I don't want to call anyone a bust after nine games. I think that's just, uh, I guess that's just immature. Oh, absolutely. And I think, uh, I think when he finds his groove this year, it'll be, it'll be nice to uh, show everyone uh, that, well, not everyone, but show the haters they're wrong. And uh, yeah, I think it's something similar to uh, when he first was playing for team Canada in the world juniors, he came in as an underager, the, uh, first time and uh people were giving him flack then because oh well you're a generational talent you're supposed to be pushing the needle etc but that's the thing is like these guys still come in young like you're an 18 year old coming into the nhl right now it's yeah you're playing against the best in the world who have been playing there for years like it's it's ridiculous that an 18 year old can come in struggle to start in the first, like you said, the first nine games and people are already denouncing them. I, I just think it's crazy. I think Lafreniere has uh, a lot of skill. I think he's a skilled winger. And I think uh, eventually, maybe later in this year, maybe next year for the Rangers, I think he's going to be one of their top scorers. And I agree. I mean, I'm a big Laffy fan and uh, I wish him nothing but the best. Moving on. Um, last week, we didn't mention it, but uh, the Pens GM, Jim Rutherford, resigned for personal reasons. Um, and it kind of came out after that he wanted to trade Latang, and management said no. And then the personal reason was they're not actually letting me do my do my own team, build my own team. So he kind of left. I thought that was a little weird. I mean, they're getting to the point where they're gonna have to rebuild soon. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I I heard that as well. It was over the uh, Latang uh, trade rumor. Um. I think they're in the same boat as Chicago. Look, you've you've had a great team. You've won three Stanley Cups all recently, and that's awesome. But you got to rebuild. You got to recycle. Like it's something where yes, if you're going to move a guy like Crosby or Malkin or even Latang, yes, have that conversation with them beforehand. But at the same time, you can't stop a GM from doing his job. Like you tell him, make us a contender every single year. Well. Some of those years, it's getting younger. Some of those years, it's trading your assets before they overwrite them. Like, you never know, especially with uh, Latang's uh, injury history he's had in the past. Like, how many more years of Latang are they going to have? How many more years of Crosby and Malkin are they going to have? You can't rely on this team to win you a Stanley Cup every single year, even with retooling. And I, I thought Rutherford was doing a good job retooling as is. Like, he, he revitalized that uh, Pittsburgh Penguins team to bring them the back-to-back Stanley Cups. So, yeah, I agree with you. I thought it was interesting that he just left. Yeah, and, like, to go off your point, I mean, I'm not saying, and you're not saying, like, rebuild right away because, like, I think Jim was thinking ahead, right? If I trade Latang now, I'll probably get a better return than if I trade him in a year or two years because, uh, obviously, he doesn't want to trade Crosby or Malkin. Obviously, those are one, two, Latang be three right mm-hmm. and the penguins are still fourth in their division so they're in a playoff spot right now they have 11 points in 10 games they're five four and one so like that's not like bottom of the barrel kind of chicago ish but i get what you were saying like if they keep doing this they're going to get to a point where 
they're paying these guys all this money and they can't kind of have anyone else. And I mean, Crosby's getting older, but he's still doing amazing things. But you need to start changing because obviously you haven't won since when was the last time they won? Uh, they 2017, had the... 2017, what am yes. I saying, 2011? Yes, they yeah, had the 2017. Uh, 2009, and then they had the uh, back-to-backs. Yeah, so, I mean, I just, like, I kind of give credit to Jim for kind of stepping down because they were not going to let him do his thing. I uh, don't know where he's going to go, if he's that's done for him, um, but uh, I think uh, so a couple teams might uh, might be interested into uh, his knowledge. Yeah, I, I think he's definitely... Uh become one of the uh, number one guys to look at for uh, a GMing position. If uh, any of those teams are, are looking for a GM, that's the guy who uh, put together the HBK line that helped uh, them win two cups. So I, I think that uh, it was a, uh, it was a bold move by Rutherford to leave, but uh, I, I can't say I blame the guy if, uh, if you're not being allowed to do your job and uh, if any trade you're trying to make is, uh, especially for the future, if, it, if it's a big name trade, if, it, if it's getting shafted and you're getting told to go back to the drawing board, well, there's only so many times before you're just going to get sick of it. But I think it's funny that he was looking for a D or trying to trade for a D because I think they should be looking for a D. I mean, Peterson and Matheson are hurt, right? So, like, there's rumors that they're kind of looking for a D. So it's kind of weird that I heard they were trying to trade a D. Yeah. Unless they were going to get like two Ds in return. Sorry, what was that? I said D'Angelo to Pittsburgh confirmed. Exactly. <laughs> see? Um, I think the Leafs, Chicago and Detroit have some the D that could potentially be moved for forwards. Uh, Dermot, um, Merrill, and uh, Z- Zadorov. Those are all different names that I came up with. I know they signed Yannick Weber. So there's another... D that that can help him out mm-hmm. uh, he used to play and then they called up P.O. Joseph which is my boy from the Charlottetown Islanders he was the captain the year that I uh, I did their stats for them this guy's playing great he had three three primary assists the last week in one of the games and and um the coach had nothing but good things to say about him so I mean classic pens they just kind of get guys that do their job yeah and they have to refill in the spots that they trade away guys. And then, Oh, look, we've got a new guy to fill the hole. So yeah, I, I think they, uh, the team will be all right. It's, uh, it's more the goaltending that seems to be uh, shaky for them, but uh, I think it's been shaky since they uh, got rid of flurry, but that's just my opinion. Yeah. But I mean, got rid of flurry still, you know, still had a good, um, good goaltender for that time and then when he went to start going down they have another one coming up ex oil king tristan jari shout, shout out to out. him shout out and um you know what can't can't say nothing bad about the pens uh you know big crosby guy over here but moving over to the great white north we have the north division so leafs were one zero and one last week they played both games against the oilers and uh, then they got a nice little break. So nothing much to say about them. I thought that second game against the Oilers was wonderful. What a game. Back and forth. The uh, the big boys showing up. McDavid. Just can't even say anything about him. That goal was ma- nasty. And then oh. his uh, overtime goal was, was uh, just as nice. So anyways, Leafs play the Canucks three games in a row. And uh, right now they're second in the North Division and second in the league. So... Nothing to worry about on that front. I mean, they just got to keep playing games. I think they'll uh, they'll probably win two out of three games against Canucks. But moving over to the Oilers, 
Dalton, tell us how their week was. Oh, man, it's been a great week to be an Oilers fan. Like, it's things are starting to come together. Uh, we're 6 6 and 0 now. We're back at 500, fourth in the North Division. So, we're on that, on that playoff bubble. Um, the last three games, the Oilers have had all wins. We had the 4 3 overtime win over Toronto on uh, January 30th. That was, uh, like you said, quite the game it was a great battle back and forth uh mcdavid had two unreal goals doing what he does uh we followed that with a big 8-5 win over the ottawa senators on january 31st uh stuart skinner started that game it was his first career start and first career win in the nhl so it was uh quite the game mcdavid had a goal and four assists and dry had six assists which uh, was the first time since 1997 that a player had gotten six assists in a game. And it was, uh, it was Eric Lindros who actually got the uh, last six-assist game. It's the Big the, E. The Big E. And it's actually the 29th time that's happened in the NHL. So uh, there's some uh, cool, fancy stats for you. So and, you said the le- 11 points between, uh, did you say Gretzky and Curry or Drysaddle and Connor? they're looking like the same pair out there right now we uh have uh mcdavid and dry they're the first pair of oilers teammates with 20 or more points in the team's first 11 games since gretzky and curry and uh the numbers are pretty similar because uh back in uh 84 85 season you had gretzky and curry put up 21 goals and 33 assists in 11 games and then this year in the 2021 season we have McDavid and Dreisaitl at 14 goals and 29 assists in the first 11 games. These guys are on pace right now and on pace, not going to get, but are on pace for 100 points in a 56-game season, which I think is just insane. And, good news in Oilerland. Oh, yeah. Well, it's going to get even better because I got one more win for you this week. 4-2 over Ottawa, February 2nd. Pouillet Arvey, man, he's looking good. He had two goals in this game, and his one goal, you could see it's coming together for that kid, and I love to see it because this guy, I mean, he comes over the first time and has a little bit of difficulty, but once again is an 18-year-old kid or 19-year-old kid, whichever. He's, he's young, and he's brand new to the country, doesn't speak much English, and yeah, it's it's hard. It's and you got to think of it like it's you're throwing this kid into a situation where yeah, is, he doesn't speak the language as well, and it's uh, it's a brand new league. But he went over. He built up his confidence in Finland. He came back, and man, like I said, that uh, goal he got uh, it was a hard working goal. He uh, trucked by the defenseman and uh, managed to do some fancy deking around. Uh, Ottawa's goalie, and uh, yeah, 4-2 win. Uh, the next game we've got coming up for the Oilers is going to be February 6th versus the Calgary Flames. It's the first Battle of Alberta of the year. Like, we, we played Toronto four times, but we still haven't played Calgary, which I think is pretty hilarious. But uh, it'll be the first of 10 meetups with the Calgary Flames, and I think it's going to be a great game i think we're in for a bit of a bruiser and uh i think it's going to be a high scoring one i think these teams are uh chomping at the bit to get at each other 
And then after you guys play them, or sorry, after the Oilers play, they play Ottawa two more times. So, I mean, yes, you guys had an amazing week. They had an amazing week. It's awesome. It was awesome to see. They did play Ottawa. Got to remember that. But, I mean, this is the confidence and the fact that they can score in these games now that is going to help them in for the rest of the season. Um, I do have to call myself out. I got to eat a little bit of dirt. I said uh, I said in our first podcast that Ottawa is not that bad. They're, they're not going to be laughable, you know, ha-ha, free win. They're literally 1-6-1. and one. So uh, it is free win at the moment. They're not playing that great. So I just wanted to kind of call myself out for that because, like, I saw the one win they got against the Leafs, and I said, oh, they played pretty good if they keep this up. You know, they'll st- still be near the bottom, but, you know, they'll have a bunch of wins, but that's not really happening. Um, honestly, yeah, excited. Uh, we'll probably talk about whatever happens in that Battle of Alberta game. We were at the ones we were, I was at the one last year. Were you at the one last year? Oh yeah. I was, I was at a, uh, a couple of them last year. Uh, I was at the, uh, one in Calgary where, uh, Oh yeah. I was in Vegas at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And then the one, the first game when casting came back from the suspension, when they played in Edmonton and like Ethan bear fought Kachuk that one was a wild one. And then the game after that is when the goalies fought. Yes. And that was classic Battle of Alberta. Well, that goalie fight was the first one in years. And it, it, it took you back to Rock'em Sock'em hockey. <laughs> well, I guess that's all for... Do you have anything else in the hockey news? Uh, I just wanted to make a quick KHL hit. Uh, Whoa. Yeah, I know. We're going all the way over to... Uh, Riga, so uh, that is in the KHL. Dinamo Riga defenseman Jordan Murray was actually released from his team as he was caught on security camera sneaking into the Omsk locker room to steal Kovalchuk's stick. <laughs> I did read this. Uh, I just thought that was pretty funny. I think it's, uh, it's a fanboy move. Can't make that up. No, like, why wouldn't you just talk to Kovalchuk during the game and ask him for a stick? Balls on the guy, though, to steal it. Yeah, yeah, like, it's uh, it's interesting, and uh, KHL doesn't seem like the kind of league that messes around when it comes to those kind of things. It's uh, <laughs> a one-strike league. Uh, yeah, I was expecting you to say, like, some cool stat, and I totally forgot about, basically, uh, a crime that was committed. <laughs> <laughs> This is our theft report. Um, I also want to give a quick shout out to uh, Alexander Ovechkin. He tied Mike Gardner for number seven on all time goals with uh, 708. 708. It was the OT winner Saturday night versus Boston early in the extra period. Um, yeah, it's uh, number six is Phil Esposito at 717, and number five is Marcel Dion at 731. So Ovi's. He's climbing this list, and I think he's uh, he's basically the best chance we have at actually eventually reaching that uh, Gretzky record. And I, I think he's he doesn't seem to be slowing down. And if anything, his uh, his little suspension that he served, rightfully so, uh, it seems like it's motivated him. And I, I think you're going to see him scoring a lot uh, down the the stretch. Um, that goal also moved him to number four all time in. Uh, game-winning goals at uh, 111 game-winning goals he pra- passed uh, Brett Hull and Timu Solani ever heard of them yeah yeah exactly 
And uh, the guy he is chasing once again is uh, Phil Esposito with 118 game-winning goals. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> Ovi in some pretty big company. Yeah, and honestly, like, well, you know, shout out to to the Paisan, Phil Esposito, good Italian guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, seven oh eight, and the magic number is eight ninety five. I know this year with the less games is kind of going to hurt him a little bit, but I don't know. Every like older head I talk to says he's never going to beat it because they don't want to see him beat it. Every young guy's like, he's got this. He needs to score, and they have the math out. He needs to score thirty five goals for the next seven years, and honestly. He's the greatest goal scorer like that we've ever seen. So yeah, we gotta shout out the great eight. Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely agree, and uh, I think he's gonna beat it. He seems to be the kind of uh, player that uh, has come into the league similar to Yager, where the the man is literally gonna play until someone won't offer him a contract. And uh, Ovi scored fifty goals more seasons than he's not scored fifty goals. And I know uh, some of those other seasons where he's taken a dip it's been like 36 goals so i i I think he's he's got it in his sights he needs to have a few more years he's still he's no spring chicken but he's still not in his 40s yet which uh it seems to be that's when uh your guys like your yager your chara etc are being able to uh make it until so i think as long as he can keep up somewhat the uh, the same scoring pace i i think he's going to be all over it i totally agree um uh, moving on from the beautiful game of hockey we're going to move into a little quick hitter we got uh some soccer some baseball and some uh college football so i'll start I'll start with the baseball we got a trade pretty big one uh the cardinals the cardinals received nolan arenado from the rockies in cash for uh, left-handed pitcher Austin Gomber or Gomber, not even sure, and four minor leaguers. So maybe we'll be on the same page this time, and not the last trade you mentioned. But someone got fleeced here, right? Oh, I mean, maybe the team that's uh, paying a thirty-five million dollars salary this campaign for a player that's not going to be on their team anymore might might oh, have it's, lost. It's more than thirty-five. Oh, well, that's his salary is thirty-five mil, fifty million to cover the contract. Yeah, $51 million. Isn't that crazy? They're paying him to not play for him. I think that's absolutely insane. Like, I, when I was reading over this trade, I was looking at it, and then I read that Colorado was sending even more money. And I'm like, well, what, what are you getting from this trade? Like, you give up a five-time All-Star with eight gold gloves, four silver sluggers, 235 home runs, and a .890 OPS over eight years with the Rockies for Gomer, who I'm hoping is a good player for them, and four prospects who they hope are going to pan out. It's a lottery. They're they're panning on these minor leaguers. So one one might be the one that you know makes the trade worthwhile. But at the moment, man, you're losing a guy who he averages 35 home runs and 114 RBIs over his eight years, and he's a career 293. And I mean, some people say, oh, yeah, he got a lot of those hits in Colorado, being in the high altitude Coors Field. But no, this guy's a certified ball player and the Cardinals are getting him at 29. And I think they have him for the next eight years. So what a move by them. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's not much to talk about. You're getting a, a basically one of the best in the game for guys that I never even heard of. So, yeah, I, I think... Uh... Colorado is definitely putting on the uh, the the rebuild cap now. 
Their owner said they weren't rebuilding. Oh, of course they're not. That's why they're just <laughs> moving out their best players. But I guess you have something else on MLB? Yeah, uh, the uh, MLB, they said they're planning on starting on time this season. They've got camp scheduled to open February 17th and opening day scheduled for April 1st. I know they were working with the MLBPA to uh, work on an alternate schedule, and that was when they had the big DH talks, and uh, that uh, fell through. So the MLB pushed it through as is, and they are planning on playing the schedule as is right now. Perfect. That's big news because they didn't get to start on time last year, so... It's good that they're uh, they're ahead of the game, and we're going to see some baseball soon. It'll be nice. It'll be nice. We'll get uh, a lot of games coming up, so that, that'll be good. So he signed the contract in 2017. It was a four-year, 555 million euro contract. Moving on, though, uh, I wanted to give a quick hit on uh, UEFA soccer right now we actually had uh, some news come out in regards to uh, Barcelona FC they are planning on suing El Mundo which is a Spanish publication for uh, the contract leak of uh, Lionel Messi's uh, contract which uh, I didn't know wasn't uh, public information and apparently only four of the copies of the contract existed so they have it narrowed down to four people who basically who could have leaked it to the press. They don't have names, but uh, yeah, it uh, is pretty crazy. It's a uh, 72 million euro annually. Euro. And, yes, euro. 72, not dollars, euro. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And he had add-on incentives where uh, if he played 60% of Barcelona's games, which uh, if people know who Leo Messi is, he plays every one of Barcelona's games unless he is badly injured. Uh, If they progress through the Champions League, which Barcelona usually does, and other incentives that uh, upped Messi's contract to uh, get it to that 555 million euro (laughs) deal for four years. Uh, Messi was also recently, he took a pay cut in response to the COVID-19 pandemic, which I mean, like when your salary is basically the salary cap of some NHL team, or sorry, not even the salary cap, the value of some other sporting franchises, like, yeah, you you might want to, you might want to take a cut. And, uh, it's no wonder that his, uh, buyout clause when there were the rumors uh, earlier that uh, he was going to get uh, bought out and shipped to Manchester City that uh, the uh, buyout clause was uh, near a billion dollars. Makes sense. He's probably worth it. And yeah, he was going to get shipped to Man City and then shipped to New York. So I was actually looking forward to that, you know, being a big MLS guy. But yeah, that's crazy news, man. I, I kind of heard about it and it made sense that someone would leak it i don't know he's just such a big figure and people are like how much does he make (laughs) how much is the best player in the world worth which is actually funny i never call him the best player in the world but i just did on this pod i'm a big (laughs) ronaldo guy but at the moment right now messi is the best right now and i i absolutely love messi just what he can do with the ball technically is just so impressive but yeah i i had been pretty surprised because you have all those uh 
hockey websites like uh, Cap Friendly, Cap Geek, et cetera, et cetera, that list the uh, the contracts of every single player in in a league. So I, I didn't know that this wasn't public information. So I, I found it uh, quite interesting that uh, it's something that uh, only four copies existed of, and there's a lawsuit over right now. So it's it's yeah, interesting times in Barcelona. Well, it's uh, it's to the public now. Uh, moving on to another quick hitter. Uh... NCAA football EA sports is bringing back NCAA football. It's the first time since 2013, 14. Um, they had some controversy. We, we missed a lot of good games with some big names on the cover, like Baker, Kyler, uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence. And honestly, I'm super excited. I'm definitely going to buy it. I had it when I was a kid. And the only thing that they're doing different now is the game will not, will be without names, images, likeness of the real players, which was the whole problem last time because these players weren't getting paid and they were using their basically names and faces. So nice to see that they're bringing it back and they're still kind of abiding by the NCAA rules. Yeah, that's that's good. It, it'll be interesting to uh, to see that. Do you know if they are going to have an NCAA cover athlete that uh, they'll, they'll pay or is it just going to be a generic athlete that they put on the cover? Or, or do you know what the, if they had anything to discuss yeah. about that? Yeah, they haven't mentioned it yet, and I was thinking of the same thing because they always have someone on the cover, and it's the guy's actual picture. The last guy on the cover was the quarterback at Michigan, which I don't even remember his name because he never panned out uh, in the NFL. But that's something that will probably come out, and you know, we'll let the people know. I also don't know if like the team, the teams are still gonna, like the schools are still going to be kind of their logos are going to be there because that that does nothing to do with the players like they could just do a deal with the schools so still kind of waiting on all the details i just want to kind of bring it up i I was a big fan of the game and if you actually have a copy of the 20 uh the ncaa football 14 sell it it's literally worth like 70 bucks on xbox 360 oh wow yeah but um enough of that let's move on to um some fighting oh so in the UFC right now, it's uh, it's been a little bit of a quiet week. We are kind of uh, waiting for our next uh, cards coming up. Uh, February 6th, we've got uh, Volkov facing off against uh, Overeem in the heavyweight division. It's it's a little bit of a, uh, a smaller card, a free card, with uh, uh, Frankie Edgar versus uh, Corey Sanhagen fighting at uh, bantamweight. And uh, it, it'll be a nice little card to watch. Like, you'll... you'll You'll see some uh, some up and comers. Uh, Volkov and Overeem have all, both been in the heavyweight division for a while. They're both heavy hitters. I, I think we're we're bound for a good fight. And uh, Alistair Overeem has said this is his his last run at the championship. So maybe we'll see uh, the Demolition Man Overeem come out again, and uh, maybe he'll uh, he'll be able to string some wins together, and maybe he'll finally be able to uh, push towards a, a heavyweight belt in a uh, a company that. Uh, He's never actually won one in because he, he seemed to uh, clean up earlier in his career. But uh, UFC seemed to be uh, the uh, the glass ceiling that he hasn't been able to to break through right now. But uh, then uh, you've got uh, the next big card. Uh, February 13th is going to be your uh, Usman v. Burns card. And that's going to be uh, quite a fight at welterweight. That's really going to start uh, shaking up that division. And something I found interesting about that is... Uh, Usman and Burns are teammates fighting against each other for the belt. So, uh, yeah, it, it'll be uh, really interesting uh, to see how that pans out. But uh, right now, uh, piggybacking on last week, we've got some more uh, of the lightweight division 
panning out right now. Uh, it seems everyone's talking on uh, Twitter and social media and all the different uh, podcasts and such. And uh, we're starting to get things uh, to shake out. For the February 13th card that I had previously mentioned, Usman v. Burns, uh, UFC 258, Chandler, Michael Chandler had actually accepted a fight against a top three opponent, which narrows it down. It was either Poirier, Gaethje, or Oliveira, but it didn't get accepted by the other guy. And uh, recently, the rumors have been coming out that it was Charles Oliveira who was offered the fight against Michael Chandler at UFC 258. But Oliveira turned it down because the fight wasn't going to be for the belt. And he said the next fight he is doing has to be for the belt. And I was reading, too, like, Poirier doesn't want to fight Chandler. Yeah, it's... Uh... Sorry, like, he said he said he thinks that, like, you know, Oliveira deserves to be fighting for a title. And he says if, if the UFC wants Chandler, then he's just going to sit back and watch. Yeah, and I, th- I think more power to him because, uh, well... He's the number one ranked fighter in that uh, division right now. He's beat most of the other guys in the division. Like, there's not much for or not many guys for him to fight. And if he's going to fight as champion, let's say, or uncrowned champion, as uh, we were calling him last week, then, yeah, I think he should have a little bit of negotiating power. I I think that uh, Poirier's stock is at an all-time high right now in that lightweight division after beating McGregor. And I think the man should have the... uh... And uh, we would love to see that, especially after what just happened. But I was even reading, like, the amount of people that want to fight Poirier clearly shows that he is definitely the the top and he should be, like, the king of the lightweights. So I heard that McGregor wants to fight him, Diaz wants to fight him, Chandler wants to fight him, Oliveira wants to fight him, and Ferguson wants to fight him. So it's a lot of that's a lot of big names that want to take take him on, even though he doesn't have the belt. But I think everyone kind of knows that you know he's number one right now. He's a top dog, yeah. And uh, I think no matter what, we're gonna get an exciting fight. We're gonna have a lot of fights coming out of this lightweight division. I think uh, once you get the Poirier contract signed next, or well, essentially once one fight is signed, the rest is gonna pan out. Whether it's gonna be out of Poirier, Gaethje, Oliveira, Chandler, and McGregor, and well, even Ferguson. Like you're, you're getting a bunch of names there that they can all fight each other. They're all in the top, and it'll all mean something. So I'm just hoping that uh, some of these guys can put their egos aside and actually uh, take some fights, and we get a lightweight division fight before uh, 2022. Yeah, exactly. And I, I actually have a question for you, Mr. UFC. So. Mm-hmm. Gaethje said the reason the division is in its current confused state is because Dana White screwed Poirier and Ferguson by favoring Chandler. Do you agree? Yes, a hundred percent. I I think uh, so. It's, so it's Dana's fault. I a hundred percent think it's Dana's fault. The the man is, and I, I don't blame him because in in the fight game it's all about making as much money as you can before you get out. That's what they all say, and that's what it's always about. But. That being said, I don't think just because you're a draw, you should always be fighting for the title. And that's been a very big difficulty for Dana White. He finds whenever he gets his big new signing that uh, pops a rating or uh, makes the pay-per-view sell better, which, like I said, it's a business. 
those guys seem to get pushed ahead of the guys that are already top in the rankings. Like we spoke about Oliveira earlier. The man's on an eight fight win streak and he still hasn't fought for a belt. Khabib Nurmagomedov was undefeated. Is that how you pronounce it? Yes, Nurmagomedov. I never never knew that. (laughs) Yes, he he was undefeated and uh, he had, I believe it was a, a 10 or 11 fight win streak in the UFC before he was able to even start fighting top talent in the UFC before he even got a title shot, which I think is absolutely nuts that you can have these guys coming in as absolute killers running through the division. And just because like they don't like to smack talk and they don't like to be loud and boisterous and they like they're fighting to do the talking for them. Like, I I think that's more fair, but uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, a big GSP guy and he was never a, a trash talker or anything. He just let his skills do the, uh, the talking for him. So I, I think at the end of the day, you got to go to rankings. And if it's something where, okay, we're looking at a belt and the champion Khabib at the time, if he doesn't want to fight or if he fights GSP, which a recent rumor came out that uh, it might be happening. So uh, Khabib v GSP confirmed once again, but uh, yeah, I, I I think at the end of the day you got to go back and you go okay, we have no champion right now. Who's number one? Who's number two? You guys fight for the belt, and then we work it out from there. Because these guys in three and four, okay, maybe you wait a little while longer. Let's put on this fight right now. All of these guys are healthy. Gaethje, Poirier, Oliveira, and Chandler are all healthy and in fighting shape. If you're gonna say you're gonna be a fighting champ, let's do it. Let's get this going within the next few months. Let's get it done like for July for fight week. Okay. We'll prove, have it. Prove, prove it. Prove it. Exactly. We'll even put it on the same card. We'll, we'll do Poirier versus whoever for the belt. And then your undercard can be the next two guys with the promise being next fight of those guys who wins is for the belt of the two guys at the top that win. Like, I, I just think you, you got to go back to the rankings at the end of the day. When in doubt, your best fighter is the guy that's, ranked number one and your second best fighter is the guy ranked number two the ability to decide who he wants to fight next that being said though apparently as soon as this day now we're talking uh poirier connor three for a belt now and poirier and connor both want it to happen one should fight two and winner gets the belt three versus four plays and then whoever wins that play fights the next guy i love it um I think that even if they do something like that, there's, they're going to bring in a big crowd. Um, you got like elite talent right now that all could be number one technically. So I think regardless, you're going to make good pay-per-views. So let's uh, fingers crossed that like they start figuring something out. Um, you know, I'm not sure what the next step is. Yeah. I, I think right now it's uh, finding two guys that are, are <laughs> going to agree to fight each other. And then, uh, getting one signed and that's going to be the first domino. And like I said, uh, last episode with, uh, with Connor's injury, if we're going to wait the six months for him to even come back for that to be the next title fight, I think you're going to have a lot of angry guys in that, that lightweight division. Cause yeah, you've got guys that, uh, don't have many losses and, uh, want, want to get out and, uh, want to get fighting again because, well, you don't fight, you don't get paid. It's as easy as that. Um, uh, to hear about Michael Tizea just saying back to the rankings thing, he's not going to take anyone ranked below five in the welterweight division after his last win against uh, 
Neil Magny. He uh, he wants Covington, but uh, Covington v Masvidal is apparently already in the cards. So uh, it looks like another guy who doesn't get respect, although he has a lot of wins, Michael Chazea, is not getting respect. That I'd like to fight is Patrick Reed. So uh, I'm not sure if anyone's a golf fan. I'm a huge golf fan. I started, you know, picking it up last year. I'm still pretty bad, but I mean, I love watching it. The pros are amazing to watch. And last week they had the Farmers Insurance o- Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Pines, and we had a little controversy. So uh, Patrick Reed on the Saturday was basically someone claimed that he was cheating when he picked up his ball, claiming it was embedded, even though that it bounced. And he picked it up and moved it and before bringing in a rules official. And everyone went nuts, especially on Twitter. And then Rory McIlroy, who's everyone's basically favorite, did the exact same thing. And they didn't really give him shit. So I thought it was kind of weird to see like people getting mad at one guy instead of the other. Um, but I know that Patrick Reed has cheated before. Uh, he's moved his ball or kind of gave himself a better lie. And the other thing is, Dalton, he won the tournament. So obviously it would have been like a little more controversial if he won by one stroke because it would have been the stroke that he got for that one shot where he didn't get a stroke because he moved his ball. But he won by five, so I really don't think it was that big of a deal. I actually uh, took a look just at at the standings to see if that was uh, the stroke that uh, won him the uh, entire Farmers Insurance Open, but uh, I saw there was a one, two, three, four, five place tie for second place, and then he was just uh, a little bit over by five strokes. So I, I think that that good move when you're becoming known as the guy that bends the rules here and there. Yes, like if it was a grounded ball, yes, like okay, sure, but bring in the official first before you move your ball, and then no one's going to call you on it. And, like, his only response to it was that he didn't cheat and that Rory Rory did the same. It's like a little child saying, but he did it too. You know what I mean? Like, come on, buddy. Like, you're already, like, the bad boy. Everyone kind of hates you um, in the golf scene. But it's because he's cheated at the... Hero World Challenge in 2020. I think he was in the sand and he was kind of like seeing his lie. Uh, Brooks Kepka said that I don't know what he was doing in there. I think he was building sandcastles. And then at the Barsleys in 2016, he was he was improving his lie so much that he was called out by the announcer saying there's no way he would have taken his three wood out. Um, so first he takes out his like wedge and he starts moving around the ball till it gets into a right spot. Then he gets his three wood and knocks it. So he's cheating in a sport that you, you shouldn't cheat. It kind of takes away from it. You know, who does cheat at golf? Me, you, all my friends, <laughs> because we're not good because we, we, we do it for fun. And yeah, we'll move our ball because we're not professionals. So we're now playing, what, what playing. Can, Exactly. We're not paying for millions of dollars, but like now I can move my ball and say, well, Patrick Reed did it, so I can do it too. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, it's it's the uh, like the old sand trap rule where uh, it doesn't count until you actually hit your ball out. Right. Like <laughs> that's the way we can play. But like, yeah, I totally agree. If you're playing the 
sport at its most elite level. Like, come on, man. You've got cameras following you the entire time. People are going to see you. Like, just stick to the sport. You're good enough that you can beat. Like, if he's good enough to win by five strokes, he should be good enough to not have to change his ball position. Exactly. Like, it, it wouldn't have done anything. If, he, if, he, if it was really embedded and he had to take a drop, it would have just been one stroke. Or it could have been where he leaves it, hits it still, because he's, you know, a pretty good golfer. Negative, um, sorry, under 14 under is amazing. So, I don't know. I mean, it's just sad that this is a professional sport. I mean, it does, it's not a good look on the PGA, and they need to start kind of fixing this, or it's going to become more of a problem, and people are going to keep mentioning it. Yeah, I, I think it's something even, too, that uh, PGA needs to come out, and uh, they need to address it directly either one way or another. Yes, he cheated. No, he didn't cheat. Like you've got to have your, your league addressing that because if it's becoming something big enough that it blows up social media and it's giving Reed a reputation, then like it's got to be something where they either nip it in the bud or they address it and they tell him, okay, next one, it's going to cost you. Maybe you get fined. Maybe something else happens. Yeah. Like don't strip him of his trophy. Like he won that fair and square. I mean, he would have been under 13 under and he still would have won. Right. You know what I mean? But I think it just comes to the point where if this was, he won by one stroke, we would have been having a whole different conversation. It would have been probably way bigger on social media and, you know, people talking about it, but I'm just glad there was like a little golf to talk about. I know we have the uh, waste management open this week and that's the one where the fans go nuts there's no fans this this week but it's the ones where they go absolutely crazy they kind of let them yell and scream which is like why it's one of the best ones to watch see that seems like the one that during COVID times you just go out boys maybe have a couple wobbly pops and then just like golfers <laughs> the, the, the one that's playing this weekend is the one Shane Doan golfed at and Biz was the caddy no way. Is, is that the one Tony yeah. Romo was in too? I think so. They, and uh, Shane Doan was saying that they, Biz was just dumping Pink Whitney <laughs> down all the fans' throats and he wasn't really being a good caddy. But um, just to kind of end it off, I mean, look, the guy cheated. Everyone saw it. You can't really deny it. Rory cheated too. Hey, they both cheated. Mm-hmm. So something needs to get done. And, uh, and that's all for, for golf this week. You, you, you got to take one side or the other. A kit that I wanted to get in that we uh, didn't uh, cover a little bit earlier is uh, just a quick one on my hometown CFL team because uh, the Edmonton football team actually fi- uh, fired, hired a new head coach. What? No way. Yeah, yeah we brought in uh, Jamie Elizondo as the new head coach of the Edmonton football team. He was offensive coordinator for the Red Blacks in 2016 to 2018, which is awesome because he's going to be reuniting with our current quarterback, Trevor Harris, who uh, he helped win a Grey Cup and make another Grey Cup with. So, I mean, not bad for a replacement. And he was most recently actually head coach of the Tampa Bay Vipers of the XFL. Ever heard of it? For six games, I did. (laughs) Go Battlehawks. Well, man, that's awesome. I didn't even know they did that. Hey, got to give those CFL notes. Uh, their season's coming up. 
and uh, Edmonton football team, Edmonton E's. What are we calling them this year? I'm hoping Edmonton Elks. I, I think that's, that's cool. I think that's a cool name. I've heard uh, apparently that was one of the old names of the team. And I think like, oh man, a sweet helmet that you could get some antlers on or like, like cool that you can do a lot with. Like I, <laughs> such, such a bird of boy antlers and, and elks and stuff. But Hey, I think they should just stick with uh, the EE football team. So if anyone's listening, my, my, our 30 fans still listening at this point, let us know if you think the Edmonton Elks or the Edmonton or the, or the EE football, football team. team. Is, <laughs> let us know. But honestly, this was a great week. Uh, Love talking sports with you, Dalton, and I can't wait to talk to you next week. So, do to this wonderful podcast, and see you next Friday, everyone. See you next Friday.